Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, January the, is it the 20? It's the 21st, <laughs> 2024. It is the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. And the Gospel reading today is according to St. Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. So as we have been seeing in these past couple weeks, we're at the beginning of Mark's gospel, in which there is a very simple summary of Jesus's entire mission and Jesus's entire story. I'll never forget one thing that I learned in school, and it it was just really a theory. We have no way to prove this, but there are those who believe that Mark's gospel is written like a Greek tragedy. So in other words, the first couple chapters, he quickly summarizes that everything is great. And it's true. Jesus is amazing. He's God. He's come to earth. And he's doing all these amazing things. So we want to, even though they go by us very quickly, there's not the elaborate stories like in the other Gospels. We want to latch on to these good things. What's eventually going to happen, as in all Greek tragedies, is that then we see them plotting to kill Jesus. And Jesus has to constantly defend himself. And then finally, he submits himself to death. And um, it's even believed that the resurrection in Mark's Gospel was only written later, because in order to be approved as part of the New Testament, there has to be the resurrection of Jesus. It can't just end with his death. But yes, this is the belief about the the original way of writing the story. So what do we see here? We see Jesus right after John's arrest. That whole thing happened with John in less than a chapter, the first chapter of the gospel. And now John's gone. He's arrested. And so Jesus is saying, repent of your sins and believe in the gospel. The kingdom is here. And then he starts calling his disciples. Once again, there's no elaborate story. He just says, come, I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. And they quickly and just recklessly abandon their lives to follow Jesus. It's not really reckless because it's for very good reasons. But they follow Jesus. They leave everything to follow Jesus. And this is... I'm not really sure. Is this like a vocation Sunday in the church? I know there's, they do this a couple times a year where we hear the reading, one of the readings about the call of Peter and the call of James and John. Andrew's involved in this too. And then there is a request from the local bishops to preach for priests and deacons to preach about their vocations. Well, let's talk about vocations a little bit. 
There's so much written about vocations. First of all, there's many vocations. A vocation, however, is a calling. A vocation doesn't mean like you wake up one day and you say, you know, I really like numbers. I'm going to be a banker. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's a good thing. If you're good at numbers and you feel like that's a good job for you, great. Good for you. And I hope you do well with it. However, a vocation is a little bit more than that. Actually, it's a lot more than that. A vocation means you have a relationship with Jesus first and you pray and you ask the Lord, Lord, what are the gifts you have given me? What is it that you want me to do? And there's many ways we discern a vocation. The desires of our heart are important. Our gifts are important. Also, the needs of the world around us. Uh, there's a lot of different things. And there's a testing. Sometimes you try this, it doesn't work out. Try that, it works better. But it requires prayer, and we believe it's a calling. So the Lord reveals in this that he desires it for us. So God reveals things over time. And when we have a vocation, it's much bigger than a job. It involves a lot of things. And the Lord needs to be at the center of it all. We need to keep the Lord at the center of it all. So one's vocation might be to be married. Uh, one's vocation might be to be a priest or a religious. Uh, one's vocation could be to be a a minister in some other way and to remain single. Like there's many teachers out there that are single that just completely devote their lives to their students. Um, and there's all sorts of different vocations. Some people feel it's their vocation to defend others. And so perhaps they're in the military. Maybe they join the police force. Maybe they're a firefighter, but it's more than just, oh, this is something I'm good at and they're, they're hiring. It's a feeling of calling because one has prayed, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And when we have a vocation, when we discern that something is our vocation, then when we encounter obstacles, we pray with them and through them and we ask the Lord to show us the way to the other side of the obstacle. We persevere because our hearts are attached to what is going on. So in a vocation, it's not just simply a matter of, uh, well, this isn't working out. Let me try something else. That's how many people nowadays look at their marriages. So marriage is an ideal example of this to say, well, uh, you know, God blessed our marriage. I said till death to us part. And so even though we're having a rough time right now, I want to go to counseling, et cetera. I want to keep working on this. Uh, until, until we fix it or until there's nothing else we can do. Um, and it's the same with any other vocation. When your heart is attached to something, uh, we persevere even through the difficult times. So anyway, Jesus calls these apostles to become fishers of men. But see, another thing about a vocation is that it, it's not all about the fishermen. It's about the one who called the fishermen. Jesus calls them. The kingdom of God is at hand. Come after me, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is calling. Jesus is going to conquer sin and death. He's going to conquer the devil. He knows about his victory already. He knows it's going to happen. It's going to be there. And he's bestowing something wonderful upon these apostles. I want to make you part of this victory. I want to make you fishers of men. We're going to draw many people into this kingdom. The kingdom is going to overtake the world and many, many souls. Many people are going to be rescued from the claws of death. And I want you to be part of this. So it's an honor when God calls us to one thing or another. It's an honor to follow our vocation. And when we are given a vocation, 
God remains by our sides. God is always with us. God is always guiding. God is always leading. God is always providing the grace. God is there with us and it's for us to follow him. And so we don't have to be so stressed out that, oh no, look at me. I have to fix everything. I have to change the world. Rather, it's let Jesus do it, but stay faithful, hang in there, allow Jesus to keep doing what he's doing. When I uh, went to World Youth Day in 1993 and I met Pope John Paul II, it's one of eight different times that I met him. Uh, I had told this story recently about just how exciting it was when we met Pope John Paul. Everybody said, well, the news media said it was going to be a big failure, but then a million people showed up. I wouldn't call that a failure. And so many people after that day, that period of a couple of days meeting Pope John Paul, so many people started new things in the church, whether it was their own personal pursuit of priesthood or religious life. Uh, A lot of lay movements came out of that time. Uh, But Pope John Paul, and I was saying this, I think just the other day, it was so many young people reflected that this was like a, uh, not just like, it was the reality of being fathered by the father of the world, really. That's what the Pope is. He represents Christ to the world. And he came to see me. He came to affirm me. He came to be with me and pray with me. And we felt so affirmed. And because of that feeling of affirmation that we got from Pope John Paul, so many of us that day said, well, what can I do to serve the church? How can I serve God? How can I give back what I've been given? That's what happens when a person is truly fathered or mothered. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, but it's good to know about these things. And his sermon that day addressed us. I mean, there were a lot of different components to the sermon, but one part that I remember distinctly is that he addressed us in regards to all that we've been given. As young people, as Americans, and as Christians and Catholics, we've been given everything. As young people, we have our lives ahead of us. We've been given so many gifts, so much energy, so many new ideas. As Christians, God came to die for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He felt that we were worthy of him coming to earth and enduring the most horrible humiliations to save us. And as Americans, we live in the best country in the world, in the history of the world. And we have so many things, so many gifts. Whether we're talking uh, technology, whether we're talking finance, whether we're talking just natural beauty, As Americans, we've been given so much and so much freedom to use it. And he instructed us that day, when God gives you something, it's because he wants something in return. Not that God is like an Indian giver, but it's it's an investment. This is what Jesus talks about in various parables in 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 the Gospels, that it's an investment. God invests in us so that we will use our gifts to live life to the full and to to spread the gospel to bring as many people into the kingdom as we can. So he was encouraging us to use our many, many gifts for the spread of the gospel. And he repeated it numerous times, go out and preach the gospel. Even if you have to do it on the street corners, do whatever you can to preach the gospel. And so this experience, as I said, there was so much that came out of that World Youth Day. And then later, when the Pope returned to North America for another World Youth Day in Toronto in 2002, there was so much development in that short period of time. In nine years time, there were now all these communities, 
of religious, of lay people, of priests, so many vocations that came out of 93 that were now present in 2002, some as seminarians, some as priests, some as religious, once again, the lay groups, and 2002, 3 million people showed up, and you could see there was a progression that started back in 93. The Pope came to uh, check on his investment <laughs> in a way. It sounds a little cold to say it. It's actually a very warm and beautiful reality. But yes, the Pope came back. So what happened here was that we, the young people of the church, were being fathered by their Holy Father. And we knew it. That's why there was so much crying going on. That's why it was so beautiful, so emotional. And... In being fathered, we were then able to father others. This is the reality of a vocation. This is the reality of this gospel reading. Jesus comes and he ministers to them. He announces the kingdom to them. He fills them with his grace so that then they can in turn become fishers of men, so that they can pay it forward, so that they can give it to others. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's what the Holy Father did. That's what we strive to do. That's what we're called to do. When we think about any position of authority, I mean, we could think about the priesthood. And if I say negative things about the priesthood, I apologize if anyone is scandalized. I mean, it's not meant to be a source of scandal. The scandals are already out there. It's just to talk realistically, which is something we need to do. And sometimes we're not willing to do that because we just want to smooth everything over. But smoothing everything over doesn't heal anybody. There's an expression in the 12 steps. You're only as sick as your secrets. So it's good that we talk about things. And so the priesthood is a great example of this, but you see it everywhere. You see it with parents, you see it with teachers, any, anybody else that mentors other people, especially young people, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. And just the reality is, and I, I keep reading articles and there's just constantly more coming out with all these bankruptcy cases about who molested who and, you know, this priest struggling with this and that one being arrested for that. And I mean, you hear, like I said, you hear it about parents, you hear it about teachers, those that have been fathered, those that are healthy because they received what they needed, are able to pass it on. And this is more and more, the more I experience life and I experience life in the church, the more I see it for what it is. There's maybe this leader or that leader that's particularly maybe strange, weird, and they have a weird way of relating to people. And then you hear this thing happened and that thing happened, or they were just not effective. Or maybe they said something in a sermon or in a class that was just such a turnoff because they didn't know how to relate to the people. And when you get to know them better, it's like, oh, all right, so this person doesn't really have it to give. How often have we heard that about, you know, sometimes dads are just not there at all for their kids. Sometimes there's wonderful fathers that are just there constantly for their kids. Sometimes you have situations where a dad is physically present and still a lousy father and you might hear it said, well, he just, he didn't really know how to father. So he tried. He wasn't, he was physically present. He wasn't really emotionally present because nobody was ever present for him. It happens. And so, yes, with every position of leadership, we have, um, it's basically like this. The more you've been given, the more you have to give. It's not for us to be pointing the finger about all the other people out there. I'm just saying how you see these different examples. Um, you also see great success stories. And usually the great success stories come from those that have been ministered to, those that have been healed, those that have been taught. Then they're able then to take that healing to others. They're able then to uh, 
to heal others, to, to teach others. So for us, in our own vocations, we should never think that we've already arrived. Rather, as long as you still have students, parishioners, children, grandchildren, anyone under your influence, nieces and nephews, whatever, as long as you still have that in your life, you still have to be working on yourself. We're still here because we're not ready for heaven yet. So I need to always, you know, I, I said the other day, I started teaching. I'm having a bunch of students now and I need to be constantly working on my own stuff so that I can get, not just for myself and for my relationship with God, but also so that I can give these kids the best. I want to give them the best that I could possibly give them. So therefore I need to become as healthy as I can become and as holy as I can become. And, um, I need to keep reading books. I need to keep learning. I need to keep praying. And you know, something I constantly do and God is so good. I constantly ask the Lord, all right, I'm going in for another day of class, just like I, before a sermon or before any talk I give, Lord, what is it that you want me to tell these people right now? Lord, put on my heart the words that you want them to hear, that you want me to say. And this is, uh, it's a very important thing to do. It's what the Lord uh, leads us to do. And that is, uh, he has words that he wants to preach. He, I mean, it's not just about preaching a sermon or teaching a class. It could be that one-on-one interaction. There's this young person in front of me. They're upset because of something happened at home, or maybe somebody's struggling in their sins or whatever. Lord, give me the right words to say, Lord, help me to keep growing so that it comes naturally to say the right thing, to do the right thing, to be a good example. So as we each consider our own vocations at this stage of our lives, We continue to pray. We continue to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what is it you want me to do each day? What is it you want me to do in the big picture? And please give me the grace for each individual example of a situation because the kingdom of God is at hand and the Lord has chosen you and he's chosen me to bring about that kingdom. Let's be the best fishers of men that we can possibly be. Hope everybody has a great day today. God bless you.